0: Welcome back to the Revelation On Demand Podcast, a podcast interested in what the Bible has to say about our lives today. Join us as we see what revelations we find today. I'm your host, Justin D. Myers, and I'm joined today as usual by Mr. Chris Hess. How you doing, buddy?
1: Hey, brother. I'm doing good. Life's good. Um been a good week so far, I gotta say.
0: Yeah, that's good to hear. We had a rough couple weeks. Uh, I know that I told everyone I was sick last time, so... We got confirmation it was COVID. It went through my whole family, so the older kids didn't really get bothered by it. Me and my wife, we we felt it pretty good, and uh, the youngest one was stuffed up and runny nose for a couple days, so that was fun. Uh, I'm finally starting to feel a lot better. I feel like I'm starting to breathe better, but... My youngest kid got confirmed by test, and then I got confirmed by an X ray, and scared the crap out of my doctor because he wasn't expecting it. Uh, I didn't even think about it when I went to get the chest X ray. It's like I was Life just sick. Full of
1: surprises,
0: <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. So my dad actually had it too, and it causes stroke. So any prayers for him? He's recovering quite well. That's it's good to see the the progress he's making. We finally got him to agree to rehab, and he's going to be going to rehab today. Hopefully, if he's not already there. So, uh, well, any prayers for that is very very much appreciated.
1: The rehabilitation programs, I gotta say, physical therapy and um, central nervous system. Uh, you know, neurological rehabilitation, too. Um, mm-hmm. That is really crucial for a lot of those conditions. Uh, yeah, and, especially and after a stroke. Like if you feel like you've been injured before or you've had something recent going on and someone even drops a mention, I'll even mention that you should go to physical therapy or rehabilitation services and you feel like you're missing out on something in your life, you're limited on mobility or something like that. It's definitely working. Uh a lot of miracles into people's lives Lord does good work through that. Uh, other than what yeah. is going on with you and your family, God bless them. Uh, mm-hmm. looks like labor workers are going to be getting their mandatory vaccines. Huh?
0: Yeah. I, well, <coughs> it looks like people are pushing that. I don't know if it's affected your area. It, it my company isn't even talking about it, so my guess is they're just going to tell the government to uh, shove it. But we'll, we'll see like, how that moves. Um, all...
1: You sound like you might, maybe, don't know about uh, the president's speech on the matter. Yeah, vaccine
0: well, here's the problem: we talked about this last time. The federal government can't mandate a vaccine. The state government can, so course we live in Colorado where uh our governor is of that persuasion so he might just you know push that man that mandate down but we'll see I I don't think they have a constitutional right to do that honestly but I don't know. I had it, so I have the natural defense against it. I'm really not in a hurry to get the vaccine. Is some studies have shown that people with the natural, the natural titers against it or the natural antibodies against it are do better than people who have the vaccine. So I don't yeah, really want to put
1: any of that in you. Uh, we've had plenty of discussion on that. Honestly, I'm one of those. I was. Oh Lord, forgive me. Uh, I'm not anti-vax or pro-vax, but you know, there's it's seventy to eighty percent effective. They'll give you any, They'll give you all these crazy numbers. Like, no, it's ninety-eight percent effective against the virus. Yes, in a perfectly uh, healthy human being, which they did these surveys while they were developing the vaccine. Absolutely. But that doesn 't apply to the mass population there 's still um, mortality rates, all that good stuff that they did not mm-hmm. they were not able to account for because uh, when they test these vaccines on people they and uh, you know, they do the clinicals um, they really don 't look for the susceptible to injury or mortality so well the
0: people who already have pre existing conditions. They tested on healthy, healthy people. So, if you have pre-existing conditions, what you know, it could start causing issues. And then, of course,
1: cardiac. Yes.
0: Yeah, and then, then of course, if you get sick before the vaccine fully takes effect, the vaccine doesn't do anything for you. That happened to my stepmom. She got the vaccine and sick at the same time, so the vaccine didn't do anything. Like if you
1: immunity and yeah the antibodies Mm -hmm. and all that stuff you were talking about yeah
0: yeah no like the rest of my family that got (laughs) vaccinated they were only sick for a couple days you know it was a two week ordeal for me and I'm still you know kind of recovering from it so
1: it's because you're a boss you're a boss all right why don't we cover the you didn't know what happened last time
0: yes. What happened last episode?
1: Oh, yeah. So Nebuchadnezzar had sent us a memoir, a letter, a remuneration of Mm -hmm. what was to transpire of the man he became after he was brought forth to God. uh, Because Mm -hmm. he had another troubling dream, right? Like the previous ones that Daniel was able to diagnose because he Mm -hmm. had the same dream that the Lord had provided him so that he could... uh, convey this to Nebuchadnezzar. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, God told him that his pride was getting the best of him. And his pride did get the best of him, let's be honest with you. This guy mm-hmm. erected a statue of a deity to reflect an image of himself, right? Mm-hmm. We covered that in the past couple of episodes.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so uh, to reconcile himself, Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, he decided to live out in the wilderness and feed off a of grass and act like a cow for seven years because that's...
0: Well, he didn't decide to. He was he was commanded to by an angel.
1: He was commanded to by an angel, which, I mean, I'm glad... You know, nothing against... Well, I can't say that, but... <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking, like, you know what? Sometimes I'm really glad that... You know, that an angel doesn't visit me and say, hey... <laughs> Seven years of your life, go act like you cow. You have a back
0: <laughs> Yeah, that wouldn't be a very good thing to hear from an angel, especially I mean, since I'll they're already it. terrifying creatures.
1: <laughs> right. Yes. It, uh, unlike, yeah. Go ahead. and Get into that.
0: Yeah. No. They're they're terrifying creatures. They're not the 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 winged people that we like to think in popular culture there, there like these, Netflix. yes, they're, they're, un, well, they're godly creatures, but they're made of all these parts that just don't seem to work together. And every time an angel shows up, someone is wetting themselves. So, you know, to have this thing come and say, okay, you're going to go act like a beast of the field for seven years. Would of course like, oh, okay. all his faculties, yeah, all, all all his faculties left him. So <laughs> at least at least he didn't have to choose to do that. It was just he went crazy, as we called the last episode, the Crazy Cow King.
1: <laughs> crazy Cow King, yes. Yeah. Well, anyway, after these seven years, he um, really fixed himself and got himself in mm-hmm. order. He was restored as the king of Babylon before his sit in. And uh, he humbled himself with believing in the the true God. And that Mm -hmm. was something remarkable. And the fact that he documents this letter for thousands of years to be passed Mm -hmm. on as just, it's truly something. He had, you know what, say whatever you want about the crazy cow king. He had dedication and he learned for himself in a pretty harsh way of what it meant. To be doing what he was doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So today we're going to go over Daniel chapter 5, which happens about 20 years after chapter 4. So there's been a few different kings. Nebuchadnezzar passed away and passed it on to his son, who got assassinated because he was a terrible king. And then it's been passed on a few more times. So we're like four or five kings from. Nebuchadnezzar in only twenty years, which is pretty, pretty unstable for the <laughs> well, take, area.
1: Take a power, uh, take a powerhouse like the kingdom of Babylon, and yeah. see how frail. I mean, the leadership is, and just mm. you know.
0: Especially, like, after Nebuchadnezzar died, you know, it's, people are vying for power, you know, left and right. So
1: They're vying for power so. left and right. They're, they have a mass population. They have a mass mm-hmm. expansion. I mean, there's a mm-hmm. saying that says, you know, the stretch too
0: thin. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. So, when we start this chapter, Babylon is surrounded by the Persian army, and this chapter takes place in less than 24 hours. Now, there's a new king on the throne that we'll talk more about here in a little bit named Belshazzar, and you need to realize that that's not Daniel. Uh, Daniel's Babylonian name is Belshazzar, so there's an extra sound in there. Uh, So don't let that confuse you. And this guy, Belshazzar, is not the actual king. He's the king regent so he's ruling in his father's stead and we'll talk more about that after our little chunk of scripture
1: Okay, i really hope that belshazzar and daniel aka belshazzar meet each other in one place like hey they will belshazzar. they will. what's your name
0: <laughs> they they will and it it's going to be quite interesting awkward. oh is it going to be <laughs> it's good awkward yeah it's going to be good all right i can't wait to read it
1: all right so uh <clears throat> We're starting, by the way, uh, in case you guys didn't know, this is Daniel chapter 5. All right, verse 1. King Belshazzar had a great feast for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine in their presence. Under the influence of the wine, Belshazzar gave orders to bring in the gold and silver vessels that his predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles, wives, and concubines, could drink from them. So they brought in the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, wives, and concubines drank from them. They drank the wine and praised their gods, made of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone.
0: All righty. So we see this new king, Belshazzar. He is the son of Nabonidus, who is off on a... uh, a... conquest right now, I think in Turkey, from what I remember correctly. So he made his son king-regent, so he's technically second-in-command of Babylon. So... They're pretty sure that this family married into Nebuchadnezzar's family, one of Nebuchadnezzar's daughters, so that they would have legitimacy over the kingdom. And the funny thing about
1: the word legitimacy ever again when talking about Nebuchadnezzar's daughter. That was (laughs) (laughs) why. I don't know. I'm just kidding.
0: Okay, well, anyways, so Nabonidus married one of Nebuchadnezzar's daughters uh impossibly married his son to one of Nebuchadnezzar's other daughters at the same time. So this was in dispute for a little while, uh, if Belshazzar was actually king at the time, but someone found more scrolls, which is always the case when it comes to saying the Bible's not telling the truth, uh, someone found a scroll that finally said, "Hey, uh, Nebuchadnezzar was on a conquest, and he left his son Belshazzar in charge of Babylon during these times, and it lines up with the times that Daniel is writing about." So,
1: oh, never mind. I take back that last thing I said. It's it's that is legit. That is yeah. official Bible documents right there. I love when we find
0: that. Yeah, stuff. well. It was yeah, it was some Babylonian record book that they found. But for the longest time they couldn't find record of Belshazzar in the ancient, you know, record books and stuff like that. So a lot of scholars would be like, Well, this is this is obviously Daniel's making something up, you know, when he hasn't made anything up so far. So as we talk this is
1: before you get mm. on to the next subject. Isn't it mm. interesting how those who dispute with the legitimacy or the uh, factuality of the Bible, that they'll always resort to something like that? And then when you present them with contextual evidence, physical evidence, i.e., um, what, what do you call that? The the, uh, the, the sheet?
0: Archaeological or, evidence?
1: Archaeological <laughs> evidence. Well, we'll go with that. Sure. Yeah. So, like, certain artifacts and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. They won't take that into account once you try to prove them wrong, right?
0: Well, yeah. It's just interesting to me how every time there seems to be a hole in a story or something like that, we just have to keep digging or keep looking or keep researching, and we eventually find out that the Bible is right anyways.
1: And they they do too, and probably not so much of a good way, but it's just my opinion. Don't quote me on that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so this is several kings after Nebuchadnezzar, as we talked about, um, and like I said, Nabonidus married into Nebuchadnezzar's family to legitimate his kingship. So before we move on, uh, there we it talks about the gold from the temple in Jerusalem and it seems like the story is making a big deal about this. So I know that today sacred objects are few, fewer and far in between than, than, uh, you know, ancient Jews would be used to having holy objects. So as modern people, we, we kind of have a hard time understanding this. So these are God's holy objects from the temple in Jerusalem. And, uh Belshazzar is like purposely misusing them. So it seems like Belshazzar has something against the Jews that are in <clears throat> Babylon right now. So he is, you know, he's having this party while his city is surrounded and being sieged by the Persians and now he's using the temple artifacts that are used for you know ritual sacrifice and ritual cleansing and in offerings and stuff like that for his party you know for his guests so i i came up with an example that would would be close to it it would be like some you if you've seen someone using your toothbrush to clean the toilet and they didn't know that you seen them do that, bro. That that would that would be the the level of like disrespect. Belshazzar is showing God right now, okay. so you are offended. Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, God was very offended too. So it's not to say that like sacred objects are are really important today. Uh, it's more our our bodies are temples now, so it's important that we. You know, treat our bodies well. But uh, at this time, sacred objects. It was. It was like we see Nebuchadnezzar. It was mentioned right away when he took over Babylon. He took these artifacts to his, you know, his his vault, his treasury, to be placed beside his his god stuff. So, like Nebuchadnezzar, at least did the bare minimum of like not destroying it, not you know, dishonoring it, he at least put it up there with his other God's stuff. So where, whereas Belshazzar is like, I don't like these Jews, so I'm going to disrespect their God. So this is a very, very intentional thing. It's not like Belshazzar is like, Oh, we need more f- plates and cups for, uh, you know, this party. So go find some. And someone's like, Oh, let's use that. No, it was, he ordered, people to use this gold and silver utensils. And as we'll see, he even brought stuff like the lamp stands into the party room. So like, <clears throat> we're, we're going to see that God's not very happy about this. <laughs> I see like in contrast already with you
1: providing that information, Nebuchadnezzar was definitely a man that was driven by belief Regardless mm-hmm. of how you put it, it seems like Belshazzar is like almost driven by disbelief.
0: Uh, I don't know if it's disbelief. I think he just has a grudge against the the Jews that are in Babylon. He he has a very he seems to be racist. That's <laughs> the only thing I can say. Uh he he as we see him interact with Daniel, he already he treats him not well with the yeah, it's just this. You're a Jew. You're you're one of those slaves from Jerusalem. You know, like he's he's very demeaning towards Daniel. Of course, Daniel's not going to have anything of it because this young king is being like totally a a douche to use a harsher word. You know, like
1: sure. Let's. I think you're uh, <laughs> you're just still on your medicine right there. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I don't just, think so. Let's just throw that one out of the of the Revelation on demand. Okay. <laughs> don't
0: we get on well, now? he is as we, as we continue, you'll see. I'm, I'm not making that up. <laughs> Alright, fair enough. <laughs> At that moment,
1: the fingers of a man's hand appeared and began writing on the plaster of the king's palace wall next to the lampstand. Okay, so this is next to that lampstand. Plaster of the king's palace wall next to the lampstand. All right, that's what you were just talking about. I'm good. As the king watched the hand that was writing six... His face turned pale, and his thoughts so terrified him that his hip joints shook and his knees knocked together. The king called out to bring in the mediums, chaldeans, and astrologers. He said to these wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads this inscription and gives me the interpretation will be clothed in purple, have a gold chain around his neck, and have the third highest position in the kingdom. So all the king's wise men came in, but none could read the inscription or make an interpretation known to him. Then King Belshazzar became even more terrified. His face turned pale, and his nobles were bewildered.
0: Yep. So, right there, this is the story that gives us the saying, Can't you see the writing on the wall? And as we've seen, a hand from God, or a messenger, came down and wrote something terrifying in the plaster on the wall. Uh So, this lampstand is most likely the menorah that we know from Jewish culture. These would have been the the lampstands that, if you read Exodus, these are the ones that God ordered uh, Moses to make. So, these are seven seven holders with one piece of gold. So, if you know what a menorah looks like, you know what I'm talking about.
1: We talked about the the seven lampstands of the Mm -hmm. seven churches in Revelation. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, of course, um, you have, like, this number system of 13 and 7 and then Mm -hmm. 6 for being a bad number. But anyway, Mm -hmm. we had 13 churches. uh, No, excuse me. Seven churches. Seven stars. I'm waking up here. And uh, an angel that would correlate with each of those seven churches uh, Mm -hmm. to represent a similar imagery and a similar, uh, let's say, object use. And, Mm -hmm. you know. And the menorah itself
0: Yeah Yeah and like Like I said these are the lampstands That would have been in the holy of holy Shining light on the mercy seat Which would have been the Ark of the Covenant So like these are These are holy objects And he's just using them for decoration In his In his party hall And God's like Alright well I'm going to send you a message. And as we see, yeah, I think it would be very, very disconcerting to see a disembodied hand start writing in the plaster on the wall. Like I mean, that, that, that would scare would the crap out of cool
1: me. me. I mean, okay, that would scare <laughs> the average guy. But I would be like, oh, I don't know if that's God or not, but I want to read what it is. And also, yeah, and then I you add, oh, yeah, what, what, what's up?
0: I was going to say, then you have to decipher if it was from God or not.
1: (laughs) Yeah, if it says like, we need more toilet paper, then you probably know it's not it. Yeah. Anyway, I was just thinking, like, you think that uh, buying a $50,000 cracker that uh, a celebrity used or tried to eat is cool. This is something that illuminated the Ark of the Covenant. It's been touched by um, biblical figures of past times, which are the coolest celebrities of all, if you want to even call them. Most of them are elders mm-hmm. now on the seat of the throne. Mm-hmm. I'm just pulling up all the references today. I'm like, yeah, yeah. if you've been watching from it's episode good. one, you would have totally got that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> listening. Yeah,
1: same basic difference. Yeah. Anyway, Chris is on a tangent today. What else can you it's tell right. us about
0: this? I was going to say, at this point, we're conditioned to expect the wise men to fail. So, you know, we, we've seen with Nebuchadnezzar, that wise men, every time they were called in, we're like, oh, I don't know, you know. So this time, we're, we're expected for them to just fail. Uh, and then, of course, there's evidence here that he offers the third in the kingdom that's talking about him only being second in command. So he can't give a position higher than third in the kingdom. So, that's That ties back to him being Nabonidus' son And being put in charge by Nabonidus uh, Belshazzar can't read what is said on the wall But he knows whatever it says is not good And of course, if a disembodied hand shows up in your house And writes in your wall, it's probably not good either Whether it's from God or a spirit it's A toddler, a the toddler? If it's a toddler, it's probably just gibberish So You don't Mm -hmm. have to be as scared by that Unless they're like
1: Unless
0: unless they're like Scratching the plaster off the wall Then maybe you should be worried about that I'd
1: be incredibly concerned I'd be like oh my god You're gonna get the drywall under your nails I'm over here In the carpet
0: There's drywall in the carpet now Thank you Another mess I have to clean up
1: you, you, you're, you're four kids, in so I guess I don't have. To yeah, do no,
0: yeah. <laughs> so most likely, this was a either Hebrew or an ancient dialect that only a prophet would know. So as we see, Daniel will be able to interpret it because it's spoiler in a language alert, he knows. <laughs> what
1: were you saying?
0: Oh, I was just laughing at that. That you're saying it's another spoiler alert. <laughs>
1: So you knew I was going to say it again, huh?
0: Yeah. No, I. Every every time that I, I lead the story, you're like, spoiler alert. So, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, to... Chris. This, these these stories have been around for so long. If you if you don't know what's going on, it spoiling it doesn't make it any less powerful.
1: You know, it's also powerful.
0: Hmm. What?
1: The fact that we both forgot. To put our phones on silent. Yeah, I know.
0: I you heard that.
1: <laughs> this is on the show, folks. See, okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, see, every time I put my phone on silent, I always forget to take it off of silent after we're done recording. <laughs> then I miss phone calls and text messages for a good half day.
1: <laughs> see, there you go. I do the same. So, yeah. Well, that's. Powerful. Let's continue. <laughs> so we have the king behavior, similar behaviors. It's just our, it's our brotherly love, our spiritual connection. All right.
0: There you go. There you go.
1: Starting at verse 10. Because of the outcry of the king and his nobles, the queen came to the banquet hall. May the king live forever, she said. Don't let your thoughts terrify you or your face be pale. There is a man in your kingdom who has a spirit of the holy gods in him. In the days of your predecessor, he was found to have insight, intelligence, and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods. Your predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar, appointed him chief of the diviners, mediums, chaldeans, and astrologers. Your own predecessor, the king, did this because Daniel, the one king named Belteshazzar, was found to have an extraordinary spirit, knowledge, and perception, and the ability to interpret dreams explain riddles, and solve problems. Therefore, summon Daniel, and he will give the interpretation.
0: So, the queen is obviously someone from Nebuchadnezzar's family who remembers the stories of that we just got done, you know, looking over, so... Daniel is now much older, uh, and since Nebuchadnezzar does not sit on the throne, he seems to have lost some status. And this could also play into uh, Bel Belshazzar's little bit of racist tendency towards the Jews. So it might have been that he was in the court because he was he was part of the the high court for the longest time with Nebuchadnezzar. So. He had a position of power, so he's been knocked down a few pegs somehow, somewhere. So the queen being of sober mind tries to remind Belshazzar something he should know, because it's one of these things, like, this is the ancestry, this is the stories that you should know of your family since you are royalty. You know, she's kind of chastising Belshazzar in this without, you know, Potentially doing it because that's
1: it. fact from fiction. I mean, if yeah. you think about it, um, yeah. that's really separating prejudice and a, a factual information. Hmm. Right? Someone's got to take it personal, right? And apparently, mm-hmm. you know, Belshazzar, I, I got a feeling this guy's going to take it personal. He's going to be like, say,
0: it, what? It, I don't remember that." Yeah, and, and yeah, and then another thing is like, since their names are so close, he may feel. You know, slightly intimidated by that. He in ancient times names mean character, and that's why you see people get their names changed so much in, in especially the Bible. And um, so we we see here that he may be hesitant because of that, because he doesn't want to get caught up in uh, getting confused. Between the two, because of course he enjoys being king, you know, so he doesn't really, he doesn't like Daniel to begin with, so he's not in a hurry to give Daniel, you know, all, any, all these gifts that he was promising to anyone who would uh, give him an interpretation of what the wall said.
1: Right, which is only going to make Daniel more popular, I mean, let's be real, the people you yeah. talking about, you know, all these people at the <clears throat> party, like... Who's Belshazzar? I like Beltoshazzar. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah,
0: <laughs> right. You know how people are. They they do stuff like that. So yeah. So uh, of course they you see continue? the
1: difference in the two of them. Absolutely right.
0: Oh no, yeah, and they're they're as we're going to see when Daniel enters the scene, he is way different than Belshazzar. Like Belshazzar is, is loud and and boisterous and having a party during a siege. Like that's a certain kind of character. That's just way different than what we know Daniel to be. So yeah, as we'll see, Daniel's not, he's not as reverent as he was for Nebuchadnezzar. He, he does not, these two men don't like each other and it, it shows.
1: Talk about a test. God's like, yeah. hey, I'm teaching you how to love your enemies. Well,
0: Woo. Yeah, right. 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 So, we'll, we'll see how the interaction goes.
1: all right Then Daniel was brought before the king. The king said to him, are you Daniel, one of the Judean exiles that my predecessor, the king, brought from Judah? I've heard that you have the spirit of the gods in you and that you have insight, intelligence, and extraordinary wisdom. Now the wise men and mediums were brought before me to read this inscription and make its interpretation known to me, but they could not give its interpretation. However, I have heard about you, that you can give interpretations and solve problems. Therefore, if you can read this inscription and give me its interpretation, you will be clothed in purple, have a gold chain around your neck, and have the third highest position
0: in the kingdom. So, right off the bat, Belshazzar is like, Are you Daniel, the one of the Judean exiles my predecessor brought from Judah? Like he's he's specifically reminding Daniel that he is a Jewish exile, like and at this time there would have been that division still in Babylon of original Babylonians, the people who have assimilated, and then the Judean exiles. So We see him like pointing that out, and then he's like, "I've heard of your your exploits, so I'm I'm going to try and bribe you to do what I want you to do." And of course, Daniel in the next section's like, "Yeah, keep your your stuff. I I'm going to tell you what's what because probably because Daniel had you know felt like this was gonna he deserved what was about to come, so." I'm sure Daniel's like he's already hot because he 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 knew that they took the the gold and silver and didn't, are using it inappropriately. So I'm sure Daniel was hot when he got here, like and and heard that they were doing this to his God's stuff.
1: So yeah, exactly. And uh, well, not only his stuff, is you know sanctity and everything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm, I'm kind of wondering. Hmm. Yeah, okay. No, I just had to figure something out for myself. I was like, okay, so let's picture Belshazzar and Daniel in one room. Who's going to win the fight? And I'm like, oh, Daniel has holy powers. He wins. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, so Daniel would be, you know, middle-aged man, I'd say. Maybe maybe a little older. At this time, and then of course, Belshazzar is this young twenty-something hothead. He's full of himself. He thinks that he's so cool because he's the king regent, you know. So, uh, we have a party very, in the middle
1: of the siege. Like, yeah, how yeah, can you get yeah. Than that?
0: Right, right. So, all right. Shall we continue on? Yes.
1: Then Daniel answered the king, you may keep your gifts and give your rewards to someone else. However, I will read the inscription for the king and make the interpretation known to him. Wait. Hold up. Yes. I didn't realize that he already... Did he already read it? Did we skip something?
0: No. No, he said he will make it known to him.
1: Okay, let me just reread that real quick. Daniel answered the king, you may keep your gifts and give your rewards to someone else. Ouch. However, I will read the inscription for the king and make the interpretation known to him. Your majesty, the most high God, gave sovereignty, greatness, glory, and majesty to your predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar. Because of the greatness he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages were terrified and fearful of him. He killed anyone he wanted and kept alive anyone he wanted. He exalted anyone he wanted and humbled anyone he wanted. But when his heart was exalted and his spirit became arrogant, he was deposed from his royal throne, and his glory was taken from him. He was driven away from people, his mind was like an animal's, he lived with the wild donkeys, he was fed grass like cattle. And his body was drenched with dew from the sky until he acknowledged that the Most High God is ruler over the kingdom of men and sets anyone he wants over it. But you, his successor, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, even though you knew all this. Instead, you have exalted yourself against the Lord of heaven. Vessels from his house were brought to you. And as you and your nobles, wives, and concubines drank wine from them, you praised the gods made of silver and bronze and gold, iron and wood, stone too. Which do not see or hear or understand. But you have not glorified the God who holds your life breath in his hand and who controls the whole course of your life. Therefore, he sent the hand, and this writing was inscribed.
0: So right there we get we get this fiery intro from Daniel and he's like yeah keep your gifts I'm gonna tell you what's up anyway so that um, threw
1: me off I thought I thought Bill yeah. was like all of a sudden to Daniel like okay no yeah okay, it's you oh you can I'll yeah. send yeah whatever
0: yeah no that was Daniel saying like I really don't want your gifts you can keep them I'm gonna I'm gonna, and then he goes into this whole thing talking about how. Of course, if you do this to a a prideful person, talking about how much better someone else was than him, uh, you know Daniel's really, really trying to rib the king right now, and we can see that Daniel is very upset about the the gold that he was talking about here, where they're worshiping lesser gods with these articles that are super holy to the Jews. So right.
1: made of physical <coughs> made, made of like materials of, of that are physical and that you know they don't see here or understand those mm-hmm. are you know that those are creations of men or those mm-hmm. are supplies you know the, what am i trying to say here contextually what he's basically trying to say is a little mm-hmm. bit of like um a simile or even Idiom mm. is like that thing over there doesn't he? That, that, you know, I have this piece of gold. Well, that thing doesn't see or hear or understand. Okay, my god yeah. does.
0: Yeah. See, it it all comes from the what power the lowercase g gods have. Uh, so when people make idols and stuff like that and dedicate it to other gods, they the idols can't. They're not inter. They're not embodied by the god. They're not. The gods can't use them to see and hear and or whatnot. So like these idols are dead. There's no way. That's why he says they can't see. They can't hear. Uh, but these gods are real enough. Uh, we've seen God make them, and then a chunk of them fall away when He sends them to lead other nations. So. The gods are real enough, but they just don't have the power that the god of us, you know, the the god of all gods has. Like, they can't see everything because our god is removed from, from the physical realm, whereas these gods are built in the physical realm. They were built as part of it. So, our god is beyond the physical realm. He can see everything. He knows everything. Like, there's nothing that escapes his knowledge. Whereas these little little G-gods, which were built for a purpose to, you know, run the world for whatever purpose they were built for, they think they are more powerful than they actually are. So...
1: We, as a people, would think that they're more powerful than they actually are. Yeah, I do think yeah. that with a lot of that spiritual energy that it's invested into that, it's only going to bring bad. It's going to be only going to wreak havoc. Um, mm-hmm. And another good point too is that um, it, it, you were saying that God did create other gods. I would say that God created um, the OG spirits mm-hmm. and you know that or we've also characterized them as daemons daemons mm-hmm. daemon is a we've gone over this before is a generalized term for a spiritual being not necessarily mm-hmm. a spiritual entity but mm-hmm. debatably speaking a lot of these original entities could be perceived to us and interpreted and felt as a deity and one that mm-hmm. would, uh, one that would be you know overwhelming or becoming of a god itself or our own god and that mm-hmm. is where you draw a lot of that idolism
0: yeah yeah and see the, the way this works is that maybe a select few people interact with one of these demons, and they're just blown away by the power difference between us and them so they they just they get amazed by this and then they start worshiping that that daemon and then they become more corrupt and of course want to be more worshiped and of course the stories get crazier and crazier until the point where uh their powers are so blown out of proportion that it's nothing close to what they first were created for so
1: and ideally, I would say that happens with a lot of real things too. Like, yeah. A lot of, well, it know, still happens problems. today. Yes. We're created for a certain purpose. We can well, go back to celebrities. They're created for a certain purpose, they're there mm-hmm. for a certain reason, but it's the way they're mm-hmm. perceived. And I, I just to tread on that a little bit is just. Um, I feel like with a lot of that spiritual presence and stuff like reset where they basically fall down and start worshiping them is just so inconceivable, especially to the modern man. I would say, mm. um, or the modern uh, politically correct, whatever you want to call them, the just belief <laughs> that we have nowadays because we drive off of physical proof. Yeah, it's all interesting. to me. I'm on like four different thought processes right now. You're up, <laughs> years, years grinding on that one. Anyway,
0: uh, so we we see that a lot of similarities drawn between Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar. They're they're both prideful men. They were both you know pretty arrogant kings. And but Nebuchadnezzar was given the chance to repent, so he never did anything so bad that. God felt like he needed to crush him Well, Belshazzar Is having no such luck This is his Only chance to repent If there's any hope for him to repent And Otherwise, God's going to bring down The wrath Upon him Like, I mean, the city's already Under siege So, as we'll see God uses that to depose Belshazzar
1: interesting okay well one thing I want to question you about is like hmm. you're saying that Belshazzar was worse well I mean mm-hmm. I, don't get me wrong probably definitely is but I feel like God has presented an equal opportunity and gives that forthcoming opportunity to every single one of us mm-hmm. um, It's it's uh, there's a great potential yeah like you're saying this is the last time Belshazzar and it is but uh, Belshazzar will have this last opportunity where Daniel's like, look, and, you know, it's presented in a different way. But that's the type mm. of message Belshazzar should have heard.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, of course, I, I think you can see the writing on the wall. You know, this is a very serious situation that Belshazzar has gotten himself in and he's not treating it with the right uh the correct decorum that a king should. So we see Nebuchadnezzar, you know, when he had dreams, he was properly freaked out by that. So, um, I don't think Belshazzar, I think Belshazzar probably has gotten many more warnings that we haven't heard of. It's just, this is the final warning and it becomes something that's very, very physical and present to everyone. So
1: physical and present, Is this writing, yes, and forgive my enunciation, pronunciation, however you want to word it, on some of this because I'm looking at these words for like the third time in my life, and I'm like, I'm going to make my own way of saying that. I mean, (laughs) it's it's holy writing. I mean, Hmm. we're all supposed to speak in tongues at one point. Apparently, there's a universal Mm. language in heaven, and Mm. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to speak in tongues on this one
0: yeah uh, well, here let me let me help you right now. Mené uh, Mené Tekel, Tekel Parson. Parson. Yes, there you go. Okay, that's, that's what I thought.
1: Uh, yeah. I was like, yeah. Yeah. we have something in back in Hawaii. It's just random for those of you know that. Like I've lived in Hawaii, I have a lot of Polynesian family. Uh, mm-hmm. We have something called the Menehune, and that's like totally it's way different from what we're talking about right now. I mean, that's like a that's like a a <laughs> mythical like. Forest, very short person. That mm. they there's like hundreds of them, and they build stuff. Anyway, huh. cool story, but I'll get into that some other time. You just email us, maybe. Email
0: maybe, me maybe we'll get into Hawaiian mythology. <laughs> yes, absolutely.
1: My mom would school me on that. I'll just i <laughs> mention anyway. All right. Alrighty. This is the writing that was inscribed, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parson. This is the interpretation of the message. Mene means that God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Tekel means that you have been weighed in the balance and found deficient. Hedes means that your kingdom has been divided and given to the Meds and Persians. Right, like Mediterraneans, Meds, Medes. Uh, that
0: would be Medes. the the Medes.
1: Is that what they? Oh, that's what. Yeah, it's
0: have. Medes. <laughs> yeah. All right,
1: the Medes and the Persians. Then Belshazzar gave an order, and they clothed Daniel in purple, placed a gold chain around his neck, and issued a proclamation concerning him that he should be third ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, the king of Chaldeans, was killed. Thirty-one. I thought I was reading like a a, a thing there. Uh, verse thirty-one, and Darius the Mead received the kingdom kingdom at the age of sixty-two. Okay, so we got this new guy Darius, which we'll read about next time. Mm-hmm. And El-Shazar was killed at his twenty-some odd years old, and not thirty-one. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I, I see how that was confusing. Uh, I just like to leave those in there so that we know what verse we're on. But, I have a
1: stigmatism um, and dyslexia, so I read the next line where it says, "Hey, you're
0: you're doing good. You're doing yeah. good." So <clears throat> we see here that it was numbered, numbered, Wade divided. So uh, the the words on the wall literally mean, you know, his days are numbered. Which, as we know, you know Darius is going to come in and just end the court Tekel where Belshazzar has been weighed by God and founded deficient or wanting, or, you know, his arrogance is too much to be let going. And then of course, Perez is talking about something. There was a, a Medo-Persian empire, which is what Darius is part of. And so this is, this is that, that two, two, uh, headed or two divided government that we were talking about. If we go back to the statue that was talking about the chest of silver, the two arms. So we have the Medes and the Persians. Um, So we see prophecy becoming reality right here in the text where Daniel predicted that the next empire would be a dual natured empire. And that's where the Persians and the Medes come from. So, that that's something really cool to see, uh, and then Daniel was given the reward anyways. But it was like he was third highest in the kingdom for a few hours. Like you know, it's one of those Hooray. things. I'm sure. I'm sure Daniel just like on his way out of the throne room just threw the stuff off and you know went home because he knew what was going to happen. So interesting enough, uh, I believe this was the siege where the Persians blocked up the river upstream and then walked in under the the water gates nice and then took over the city so that Those was a persons, pretty cool tactical yeah, yeah.
1: efficient uh-huh.
0: deadly yeah yeah and and they took over the city pretty quickly they deposed belshazzar and of course did what you do to kings when you depose them <laughs> yeah <laughs> long live the king as you raise his head on a pike <laughs> And yeah. we meet the another brutal king that will be in the next few chapters. Uh yeah. the Daniel oh, the Lions. Then I this believe one's is an actual next. Warlord, right? He's mm-hmm. a warlord. Yeah. No, oh, okay, he's cool. he's more like he's more like Nebuchadnezzar was. So uh, Nebuchadnezzar we, we see, was
1: more like. a... Well, I mean, I don't consider Nebuchadnezzar to be a warlord. I, I consider to be like a volatile tyrant. Hmm.
0: party boy. And now you got yeah. the warrior. A warlord. Yeah. So we'll we'll see that Darius actually takes a liking to Daniel quite quickly. So um Oh. Yeah. We'll we'll see that in the next chapter. And in fact, if you know your Bible well, Daniel chapter 6, I believe, is Daniel in the Lion's Den. So I knew that. That is this that is the story we are going to cover next time. I was you waiting have for else this to
1: story to come up. I mean, like yeah. I, I think last time I heard anything about it, I was younger and there was a cartoon on it. I was like, yeah. Oh, okay. I was like, this is really like, who's this guy and that guy. Now I know all of it. Wow. Yeah.
0: I just- it's kind of crazy how many important stories come from Daniel and how many important stories like are well known from Daniel. Out of all right. the books of the Bible, there's probably i mean we have the handwriting on the wall, we have the uh, furnace, we have the lion's den, and there might be one more that's quite well known so just to have four stories that most people who are familiar with christian uh, you know theology. stories theology would would be able to tell you the gist of these stories off the top of their heads. So it's it's interesting to see to study a book that is so well colloquially known and not like super well studied by everyone. So it's Wait, it's it's awesome. Co- it coll- oh I can't do it. Colloquially. That colloquially? that'd be, you know, just Ooh, yeah, cool. colloquially. It's hard to say, isn't it? <laughs> But what, what I mean is, it's just a, a common, well-known story amongst Christians. And right, yes. four, of them, four of them are here in Daniel. So, I mean, people know about Noah's flood in the ark. And then, of course, Jesus' sacrifice. It's like just the stories that are better known. And it's interesting to see that there's four in this one book that are better known
1: Seems to sound like TV spot. Have you heard of the (laughs) Book of Daniel? (laughs) Yeah. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. I'm going to get it. Book of Daniel at your local church.
0: You got a takeaway for today, or you want me to go into that?
1: I'll do the takeaway for today. and uh, folks. All right. So, we got one for you. We got something for you to think about, for those of you who have been able to follow along. All tangents mm-hmm. and all. Funniness aside, mm-hmm. we're not so different from Belshazzar at times. We distract ourselves from the enemy at the walls. We're prideful in our abilities, and that blinds us to the writing on the wall. And if God was to weigh us, we will be found wanting. None of us can measure up. Okay? So, God's got a standard, and that's something we got to live by, right? Unless Mm -hmm. we accept the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and then righteousness, right? His righteousness, it'll tip the scale in our favor, excuse me, tips the scale in our favor, right? Just like Daniel, he had to be put in all these positions to, because God really, truly did love him. He loved everyone Mm -hmm. around him too, including these awful kings. But, you know, Mm -hmm. he's presenting all of us in equal opportunities, like I said, or better yet, a standard that we all got to live by, and it's something that you want to live by. Mm -hmm. Do it.
0: Mm Couldn't say it better myself, buddy. All right. Thank you for listening to the Revelation On Demand podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you catch podcasts from. Please, if you like what we're doing, share this with a friend, family member, or someone from your church. It's a completely private venture. We receive no funding from any sources. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please feel free to contact me at revelationondemand at gmail.com. God bless, and see you next time.